0: Welcome, adventurer, to the Level Up Board Game Podcast, a show that uses your experiences and opinions to discuss board games and the gaming community. Join the heroes as they conquer perils such as meeples, cards, and miniatures, all in an effort to level up. You're listening to the Level Up Board Game Podcast. Side quest time. We're back at it, Scott. How you doing?
1: (laughs) doing well doing well just sitting back drinking out of a enormous cup that says don't touch me peasant on it so i'm i'm enjoying life right now
0: leave it to the king to have that adventures welcome to episode 23 a side quest of the level up Board Game Podcast. We're doing this one because we want to give you a Kickstarter preview of Beyond the Rift, a Perdition's Mouth card game. It is live on Kickstarter right now. It went live three days ago, the day that we're recording, and I'm happy to say that as we're doing this recording, it is
1: funded. Happy birthday, Scott. Oh, well, thank you very much, Patrick. I appreciate it. Uh, I am now celebrating 624 months old. Why are you so the months? Uh, I have a problem with whenever they call kids, they're 24 months old.
0: No, the kid's two. Oh, yeah. No, they do. He's <laughs> he's 27 months. No, he's not. He's two.
1: Yes, exactly. <laughs> so if they can do it, I can do it. So I sound like, a, like an ancient elder right now, 624 months old. Now I was over at your house. Uh, we had a little mini game day, and I noticed something sitting over on one of the counters. I noticed a box of Blitz Bowl. Oh, now then, yeah. <laughs> I know early on when we started talking about doing the show and our first episode mm-hmm. and everything, we were talking about. I do miniatures, you do card games, but I said, no, 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 no. We're going to get you into some miniature games." So, do you have any teams put together? I have not only the base box that comes with.
0: Oh, what comes in that base box? You get the the orcs. Is it orcs? Orcs and, and humans. some kind of humans. Yeah, orcs and humans. And I also got the skeletons. And Ooh. I got the rat guys, the skaven. I got skaven, the skaven yes. also. So I, the story goes, um, Barnes and Noble. I think Blitzball sells for like. What, 40 bucks? Barnes & Noble had it half off. So I was like, oh, no. 20 bucks for the base game. Scott will be thrilled. I'll go ahead and buy this. Maybe maybe I'll humor him. And then I was working working down the road in Altoona for that show that, that my wife was working on. They call me oh, sometimes yes. to do like location scouting. So I was like, well, I'm going to be out there anyway. I might as well check their Barnes & Noble too. And they had the team expansion, They had the team packs for seven bucks. I was oh, like, oh, you I'd- can't beat that. I'd be a fool not to buy this. Didn't I give you one? Yes, yes. Did, you, were kind it me,
1: you, you were kind enough to give me a box of Blood Bowl so, or Blitz uh-huh. Bowl. I, I get them all confused because I started out on Blood Bowl and now moving into Blitz Bowl. Oh, I got you a base box. Yes.
0: Oh, fantastic. Well, now I don't feel bad about you leaving all that beer at my house yesterday.
1: <laughs> it is gone.
0: It's gone. So I found that the skeleton army that I was putting together, uh, on the back of the box, if you look real close, it says like, oh, this one you can snap together. They even say like, oh, this is difficulty two. So I turn around the skeletons and it's difficulty four because they open the box. And I was expecting it to be snapped together. It's not snapped together. Uh-oh. So you got to get the things off those sprues. And <laughs> I didn't have the, the little like wire cutter things. Oh, yes. Yep. D- okay. First of all, I think they charge like $27 MSRP for basically what are wire cutters that you can get from Harbor mm-hmm. Freight for probably two bucks. Anywho, I digress. What I had was an exacto knife. So it's like, okay, I'll use the exacto knife. You got to be careful where you're putting pressure on. Cause if there's like a limb on the other side of where you're cutting the sprue, you're going to take the limb right with it. I didn't have that issue, but I did take a skeleton's head off the sprue and it fell onto the floor. Oh, now we have that like whitewashed wood look floor mm-hmm. and there's that whitewashed wood look skeleton skull on the floor. So there I am on the floor. Like <laughs> I felt like Rick Moranis and honey, I shrunk the kids with my head down, like <laughs> trying to see if I couldn't. Ay. So 20 minutes later, the, the skull was found. So I got, got some armies ready and I'm looking forward to you showing me how to Blitz Bowl.
1: Oh, most definitely. And yeah, trust me, I... I have so many stories of slicing thumbs open, fingers open, putting those things together over the years. Yeah, (laughs) you got very lucky there. So, I mean, I've glued my fingers together. I've sliced my fingers open. You name it, I've put together thousands of miniatures.
0: One of this being a side quest, I don't want to go too off track. But one more thing in the <gasps> little banter here to talk about. I had to reach out to Team Tabletop Tycoon. They make Dawn of the... Well, they represent a whole bunch of different games. But uh, amongst them is Dawn of the Zed's third edition. So I got a box secondhand. I do, a, as you know, a whole lot of board game trading and buying and selling on the Facebook. Got a good deal mm-hmm. on Dawn of the Zed's third edition. The catch was the box was basically smashed You know, in a corner. It was, it was no good. You can't have that. So I reached out to them and I was like, look, it's not your fault. I'm happy to pay for a, a new copy, a new box, plus pay for the shipping. I just I want a nice box for this thing. You know what? They went ahead and they sent me a box. Now they didn't know that I do a podcast or that I might, you know, share our thoughts on our right. customer service with Donna. They did. They had no idea. They were like, we're just going to go ahead and send you one. Like, oh, wow, that's wow, tremendous. Yeah, right. So I said, hey, you made my day. Listen, I co-host a podcast, and we have a broad reach of about 14 people. I'm going to let them know that you did this for me. That's fantastic. Oh, you have a podcast? We want to send you a couple other games you can talk about. So. We did Everdell way, way back. I told them, you know, yeah. we already have it. They said, we're going to go ahead and send you an expansion. We want you to play Pearlbrook, get that back on the table, tell people about it. So we've got some cool things coming in. Uh, I just thought it really wanted to give a shout out to Team Tabletop Tycoon, uh, first of all, for the generosity of the box, second of all, for sort of partnering up with us and getting things going. It's really cool. Like this industry in general. Almost every company, You very rarely do you hear horror stories about the customer service. They're out there, but more often than not, people are getting on Facebook saying, hey, I wanted to I wanted to say Leader Games did a great job with this, or Chip Theory Games donates things all the time. Well, you know, put Tabletop Tycoon in our approved box
1: because oh, that yes, was awesome. Yes, yes. Yeah. Cheers to those guys. That's That is fantastic. All right. So, Patrick, let's get back on track here. We're here on a side quest to learn what you found out about Beyond the Rift, a Perdition's Mouth card game. So, why don't we get on with the walkthrough and review. What do you say, Patrick? Absolutely. Strap the boots on, get the shield ready. We're about to hit a good adventure. Fantastic.
0: Designed by Nicholas Petraca and live on Kickstarter via Dragon Dawn Productions, Beyond the Rift, a Perdition's Mouth card game is a game set in the land of Zanzior, providing a series of scenarios and campaigns for one to four players. To set up a game, players will select the scenario they wish to play, which will instruct how to assemble the threat and terrain decks. Then a deck of wound cards, as well as a separate deck of fatigue cards are placed nearby. The threat board contains a threat level meter, which will be set according to the scenario and will rise during the game, often creating a greater difficulty. Each player will choose a character sheet, get the respective deck of cards for that hero, mark their allocation of action points, draw a starting hand, and they're ready for adventure. Finally! A response deck is prepared. Those familiar with Perdition's Mouth, the board game, will be quite familiar with this deck, but for those who are not, think of it kind of like the attack modifier deck from Gloomhaven, potentially adding or subtracting from the potential damage you might deal from an attack. Now, I mentioned setting action points, and that's a very important part of Beyond the Rift, as most things that you're going to do on your turn will involve spending some amount of them. Let's look at a round of play starting with the hero phase. This is where each player has the opportunity to use those action points for attacks, card play, character specific actions, drawing new cards, and more. You might also use these action points to either disengage or engage an enemy. You see as enemies are drawn from the threat deck, they typically go to the quest area You see, as enemies are drawn from the threat deck, they might be in the quest area or sometimes in your hero area. Put simply, you're engaged with an enemy who's in your hero area. The second phase of the round is the enemy phase. If there are any enemies in play, you draw a response card and check the scenario sheet to see how the enemy behaves. Don't worry though, if this results in an attack, you have the chance now to play a defensive card. Next up is the spawn phase. This is the chance for the scenario to repopulate the quest area of play. Typically, the higher the current threat level, the more challenges will arise. We move on then to the draw phase, where you'll be able to draw a starting hand worth of cards and then discard down to your hand limit. Notably though, you can't discard fatigue or wound cards. Finally, in the end phase, simply resolve end phase effects of the scenario or of any cards in play. If you complete the objective set by the scenario, you will win the game. However, if at any point your hand consists entirely of wound and or fatigue cards, you lose. Now, we try not to go too deep into game rules with a walkthrough, but I wanted to highlight a few things about Beyond the Rift. The scenario you choose will typically incorporate terrain, sometimes as an integral part of completing an objective. And while I don't like to dive into my thoughts during a walkthrough, I absolutely love when a game provides additional variables in this fashion. Also, the modifier deck is used for both the heroes and the enemies, and in similar fashion, the wound deck is used for both. In fact, the wound cards have symbols in the middle to show their effects upon a player, sometimes forcing an extra wound card, for example, but they also have a strip of stat modifiers across the bottom of the card. That's the portion that you use when you wound an enemy. You see, the enemy's stats are at the bottom of their card, and when you wound them, you simply slide the wound card below the enemy and it outlines the modification to those stats all in one place, and definitely variable. Now, as always, there's more to any game than we outline in a walkthrough, but I hope this gives you a sense of how the gameplay will feel when you crack open the box. Gear up and get ready for the 8-bit breakdown of Beyond the Rift, a Perdition's Mouth card game.
1: Beyond the Rift, a Perdition's Mouth card game. It, that just sounds so cool that way. Now, <laughs> something I got to... I, 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 I have a bit of a bone to pick with you.
0: Okay. I'm, I'm the one... I, pl-
1: I play Marvel Champions. I play Arkham Horror. I play all these these card games that are similar to what you were talking about. How mm-hmm. did you get a hold of this one here, and I didn't even know about it? What <laughs> What's the deal here? What happened?
0: Well... You got Marvel Champions, and you have Arkham Horror. I thought, well, you know, it's my turn to get to play one of these card games, these adventure card games, and see what's going on. No, I didn't even tell you about it because I was so busy playing it. And quite frankly, we have so much going on with the the regular episode. You know what? I'll give it to you. (laughs) (laughs) They're Kickstarters up. They're funded. They don't need me to pass this on to someone. I want you to give it a try because it... Well, no spoilers. Let's get right into the 8-bit
1: breakdown. Okay, so... What did you think of the art and components?
0: All right, the components are cards, which I'd like to say that that's hard to screw up, but we've seen bad cards in games before. Uh, Thankfully, even in this prototype, the cards are of a nice high quality. I have no doubt. Anybody that's played the Abyssal Rift board game, you know that the components are fantastic. This is not going to be anything less than stellar. The prototype did have some art, like the character cards had it. There were some cards that had it, but most of the action cards, all of the action cards, were basically the symbols. It was very prototypey. You can Mm -hmm. check it out on Kickstarter right now. You can get an idea for what kind of art they're going to be pulling from. If you've played Abyssal Rift, the board game, uh, Perdition's Mouth Abyssal Rift, you'll see, you know, you kind of know what to expect. That's the setting here. That's the world that we're playing in. And I understand that those action cards, they're going to have art on them in the final product, too.
1: From what I see, it really does look very, very nice. Really makes you feel like you're part of that world, which, uh, funny enough, leads us right into bit number two. So Mm -hmm. the theme, what did you think about the theme of the game? Let's start here. Do you ever play the
0: actual Perdition's Mouth Abyssal Rift board game? I have not had a chance to do that, no. That takes place in the land of Zanziar, which is basically the Perdition's Mouth board game IP. That's their world. Mm -hmm. Let's call it like a high fantasy You know, your elves, your dwarves, etc., but it's twists on that. So there's some alterations to your standard fantasy tropes, but that is a tried and true setting, and thankfully Beyond the Rift puts enough twists on it to make it feel unique. So think high fantasy, but slightly different bad guys, right? All right. Now, immersion in gameplay comes from, like, varying scenarios that you're involved in. Oftentimes, like, dungeon-crawling games are going to ask you to get in, then butcher the baddies, get the loot, and move on. Beyond the rift the scenarios offer some variants to make each mission feel a little bit different everything's a little bit a little bit different from the last one you did it's unique in that way that said, this is a card game. There's a story that's told and visually, you know, I can picture the events that took place in my plays, but it's hard to say that I felt like I'm a part of the world. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. when when it's on a board, you know, you, you kind of like put yourself down there and you look around the corner and you see that miniature, or that standee or something. In a card game, it's pulled out from the art, but sure. to say that I'm immersed in it, no, I'm actually busy playing the game.
1: Whenever I said earlier, I was saying about how I play Marvel Champions, I play Arkham Horror, the card game. Mm -hmm. Arkham Horror, it does get a little crunchy at times. How would the complexity rule on this one here? Bit number three, complexity of the game.
0: The game's actually pretty easy to learn. There's two primary resources at your disposal, Scott. You have your action points and your cards. And the Mm -hmm. symbols on the cards, easy to learn. It's, It's intuitive. There's... Not much beyond that performing the steps in the game are really simple like functioning the enemy turn like you do your stuff and then you go to the enemy phase you add guys from this deck put a guy down into the quest area if he's moving there's complexity in learning how to manage your hand of cards and your actions because it becomes very important to manage the positioning of the enemies and activating your character specific abilities but that all costs action points. I'm kind of getting in a learning curve here so we'll we'll push that aside for a minute and move on to the rule book. In my case, It was printer paper, stapled together, as it was a prototype rulebook. It was thorough, and they even had scenarios in it. But like, they even provided a Google Doc that included updates and erratas that would be in the final copy. So like, I could look back and see, oh, okay, they've changed this, and I'd have to double check. Even like on a couple of cards, I I, like scratched out the plus two and changed it into a plus four where they made little little edits. Uh, So while I'm giving adventurers an idea of what to expect when they crack open a rulebook, I really can't do that with Beyond the Rift. All right. So, bit 5. What was the learning curve like? In complexity, I mentioned managing your action points and your cards. That's a that's the primary function of the game here. The actual understanding of how to get either resource and how to use them, that's easy. Playing them well means learning when to save either for your next turn, when you're going to chain cards together. Like if I if I take a turn and I just start throwing down cards and u- using up my action points, well that's going to give me a smaller allocation of action points for the following turn. Sometimes I might have two big cards and I say, "You know what, if I just if I go easy this turn, then next turn I'll be able to chain these two together and have a big play." It takes a while to to get that.
1: Do the action points build up each each hand or each turn that you're playing?
0: You get an allocation per turn plus you can get more from cards that you play. So there's ways to ramp it, but you definitely can drain yourself Empty And and you will oftentimes because you want to, you know, you might have ways to just clear the board and it makes, okay, I'm going to reset my action points, get them down to one or one or zero, but that's okay because I'm buying myself time.
1: Do you think it would ever get to a point where you have so many action points that it gets to the point where you're at a God level type of character where... no. No,
0: you're never going to be like flush with action points. In fact, if you get to that point, you're probably not doing so well because (laughs) you get like wounds in the game and they're cards that are added to your hand. So At the end of a round, you're going to draw back up to a full complement of cards in hand. I think it was six and they modified it to seven. Whatever the case, you have a full complement of seven cards. Say you play three at the end of the turn, you draw three. The problem is if you take a wound, that wound goes in your hand, gums up your hand, and it just sits there. And then you take two more wounds. Now you essentially have a three-card hand or a four-card hand with three wounds in addition mm. to it. So your seven cards really, there's only four that you can work with. Now there's ways to get rid of wounds, but that costs action points too. So if you get to the point where it's like, okay, I'm only getting one or two cards a turn, and this card gives me more action points. Well, okay, now I have a whole bunch of action points, but I don't have any
1: cards to do anything with them.
0: <laughs> You're screwed at that point anyway. <laughs>
1: yeah, it, it, I would think so.
0: Yeah, you took a you took the wrong path several turns ago to, to get to that point
1: so what do you think how does it fill in for our bit number six the replayability or variability is there a lot of variability i know you said something about different scenarios uh, what do you think about that
0: let me start here let me ask you a question you're a big marvel champions player yes where do you find the replayability in marvel champions
1: Whenever I think about the replayability in Marvel Champions, the replayability really comes in the different aspects that the heroes can play. If you play Iron Man as a leader, that's going to play one way. If you play Iron Man aggressive, that's going to play a different way. Iron Man justice or Iron Man protection, they're all going to play different ways. So putting in the subset of cards that changes the feel of the main character. That's where the replayability I think really comes in.
0: So basically having one character and getting to modify it or or in this case modify the deck to play a certain way in the case of Beyond the Rift, it's modifying that character's like skill tree so to speak. You're you're oh, still okay. going to be able to modify the way that you play, but it's not actually shifting the cards that that you're going to select. So, obviously, you're going to have scenarios that are going to give you a whole bunch of replayability. So, you you play scenario one, onto two, onto three, and your deck's actually changing, and you might be picking up items as you're doing so. And each one, like I mentioned earlier, is going to have different goals. One might be get to the door. The other one might be protect the villagers, for example. You know what I mean? You're going to have Mm -hmm. very different objectives with each one. Couple that with the character selection and, and the progression of that character. You could change nothing else, and you still have a ton of plays in this box. Now, with each scenario, the order of the baddies can change. The cards Mm -hmm. you see from your deck is going to vary. The wounds that you get and their effect on you, that's going to vary. I think card games in particular are going to have replayability because order of cards is such a
1: huge variable. And and this is no exception. Our bit number seven, what do you think are the downfalls to this game? Or are there any? I played this solo,
0: entirely solo, learning the game, playing a character, playing multi-handed, and I played it a bit. Now, I can't speak for every gamer, but have you ever played a game solo and you thought, hmm, I don't think I even want to involve someone else in my little adventure here?
1: Oh, most definitely. I mean, that's how I play Arkham Horror all the time. I like playing it just on my own and going on the adventure my own. So I completely understand that.
0: Now, if I wanted to play with you, I'm sure you'd say, yeah, sure. But you're not going to go out of your way to invite me, are you? Because it's fun playing it by yourself.
1: Patrick, are you still there? Test, test. Oh, I think I lost you there for a second, Patrick. I, I didn't get the joke. Well, you were putting me out there saying that I wouldn't be the nice guy to ask you to play a game. You're, you're pointing out, Sam, I'm not a nice person. Well, if it makes you feel any better, with Beyond the Rift, a Perdition's Mouth card game, I don't think that I
0: would invite you to come play with me. If you wanted to learn, I would show you, but <laughs> I like playing it solo. This game kind of does that. I don't know if that's just a me thing or if that's a, a most solo players, but typically, whenever I'm enjoying a game solo, that's how I want to play it. Also, if you're looking for minis, meeples, they're not here. This is a card game. <laughs> card game. You no,
1: know, seeing that you have an experience playing this game that you want to play it by yourself, if anything, I say that that is a great sign of a game because so many times games say you can play it solo. But you had to play it double-handed with two different uh, characters. So you had to play it like you're the other person. So it's difficult to get that kind of an experience out of a game. And I know you are a social player. You enjoy the social interaction with everyone at the table. For you to say that you want to play this by yourself, that doesn't sound like a downfall. That sounds like something that there's definitely something to this game. So... Bit number eight, who's it for and was it a fun game?
0: Let's start out with who's it for. I think if you enjoy Marvel Champions, Lord of the Rings LCG, Arkham Horror LCG, those those card game adventure games, this is right up your alley. I think you're going to love it. The characters might not be as familiar. They're not from a big popular IP, but you know what? I think that's refreshing.
1: Going in without an IP on it, that makes it kind of interesting, kind of an adventure.
0: Now let's talk for me. This game is very customizable between the characters, the player counts, scenarios, enemies, terrain. I can play this a lot and not have a repeat setup. The card is fun and interesting. If I don't put a whole lot of thought into the current turn and the following, I ain't going to win. The ability to have attacks, get big modifiers, and have these turns where you feel like an epic hero is very satisfying. This was a great experience. I felt like I was booting up the old personal computer and playing a good old school RPG, be it a card-driven one. While there are a ton of those variables, I like when a game gives me near total control over how I want to approach it. And this puzzle gets progressively more difficult. I was typically playing this uh, game or two a night after my daughter would go to bed. <laughs> much like we're recording right now. But I find the next day, I'm looking forward to the next scenario. It's like, oh, wait, I have some wounds carrying over to tonight. What's it what going to have me do? What's my setup going to look like? You can always tell a game's good when you're thinking about it after your play. And right. Beyond the Rift had me doing that. 35 bucks. Shut $35 up. 35 bucks to get a copy of the Yeah, no kidding. Now, they do also... I keep talking about Perdition's Mouth, Abyssal Rift, the board game. This is a sprawling, huge dungeon crawler. And so many of these sprawling, huge dungeon crawlers do so well. This one's really hard to come by. If you go on BGG, there's like a couple people in Europe that are selling it. Other than that, like, you're going to be spending $100 or more to get this thing. You can get it through this Kickstarter as well. So you can get the card game. One of their pledge levels is, hey, get the card game and get the old board game. And wow. when I say old, we're talking a couple years ago. It's it's mm-hmm. not an old game, and oh, it's epic. I think this card game's a winner. I'm already a backer.
1: I, I, I'm... i Okay. Uh, back this project. I don't know where you're going with that. No, I'm just, oh, I'm just rambling here as I'm clicking back that project. Backing it right now. <laughs> now, this game was... Developed by Nicholas Petraca, and and I think I did hear something where you said you got a chance to talk to him.
0: Yes, yes, I got the chance to talk with Nick for eh, half an hour or so over the phone the other day, and we have an interview for the adventure straight from the
1: designer. That's great. Hey, let's hear it. Take it away. Well,
0: Scott, I told you I could get him, and I've got Nicholas Petraka with me today. Nicholas, how are you? Very well, thank you, thank you. How are you? I can't complain. I got to ask you: do you do you go by Nicholas? Do you prefer Nick? Uh, ooh, yeah, both actually. So, uh, but Nick is Nick is uh, nice and snappy. So let's go with Nick. Okay, Nick, it is. Now, I didn't know this until we were talking just before recording. You're, you're part Finnish, part Swedish. Yeah, I was
2: uh, I was born in Finland. Uh, my mother is Finnish. My father is Swedish, and um, Grew up in Sweden. I have double citizenship, but I live in Germany nowadays since uh, over 10 years. So I guess I'm a little bit from all over the place in a sense.
0: Fascinating. I've never been more than like an hour out of my hometown.
2: <laughs> well, Europe is different in that sense. Everything's <laughs> a little bit closer here. There are so many tiny countries.
0: That's, yeah, there's definitely a. a... A stark contrast from yeah. where we are to the, the other side of the pond. It feels like like everybody over there knows multiple languages. And over here, we don't even know how to pronounce words in our <laughs> own language. So I'm, I'm always fascinated by that. Fantastic. Well, you know what? I always like to start right here. We're talking about games, the Board Game Podcast. You're designing mm-hmm. this game. Well, you have designed it. Tell us, what got you into gaming? Why board games? What is the path that brought Nick to creating Beyond the Rift? Well, so um,
2: in the very beginning, uh,
0: <laughs> we don't and, have to uh, go that far. No. no. So <laughs> uh,
2: when I was 11, I, uh, I got into role-playing games.
0: Mm-hmm. I
2: started playing D&D. And uh, for us in Sweden, D&D was actually Drogger of the Mourner, which is not the Dungeons and Dragons, you know, but actually a, a, a Swedish system. Nowadays, I think it's called Trudvan Legends. Uh, it's a much more refined system nowadays, but it still exists. Mm-hmm. Uh, but and so that was my my very first start was playing role playing games with some friends. Then from there we sort of slowly transitioned into board games, and we did both for a very long time. And uh, so we used to play a lot of uh, you know these old German family games like Catan and Carcassonne, but also like more uh, quote unquote Ameritrash games like Starcraft the board game and Axis and Allies and such things. So
0: that was sort of where I where I whet my appetite so to speak for board mm-hmm. games. So you're playing all these board games, you're, you're doing a lot of the Euro-style games, and at some point, something clicked, something snapped, said, hey, I can do this. When did that happen?
2: Well, so so I had, a, as many do, a little bit of a break. Uh, I uh, I moved to Germany in, um, let's see, now it must have been 2009, and then I had a bit of a break for a while, and then I got back into it slowly, and then um, got onto Kickstarter in 2015, no, I mean, as a backer, and a, and a consumer, and a gamer also started playing locally a lot and through there i backed the sprawling uh, dungeon crawler called petitions mouth abyssal rift got it eventually and was uh, sort of very compelled by it and at some point i got an email asking people if they would like to like participate in testing or something to that effect or like to join the team and, and cooperate and collaborate on the future expansions and so i um I jumped on that, and then I got to play test what was then going to be the Traitor Guard expansion, mm-hmm. which I think was 2017. There, the sort of the the ball got rolling.
0: So you're designing your own expansion for Perdition's Mouth Abyssal Rift, the actual big box sprawling board game with the minis and everything, right?
2: Yeah the the company uh, is the company is, is structured in a way that it's it's just very open for outside uh, collaborations. You'll see that in many of the expansions, there are, there are several names credited as uh, designers. And often it is that they have designed maybe the one scenario and then got shipped to the, the bigger team or uh, sort of the people working at the company. Mm-hmm. They would then sort of test it and iterate on it. And then it would usually be published. So that structure then just was sort of was very welcoming for someone like me who was, you know, very interested in gaming, didn't really have an experience, you know, designing any of my own stuff. And then, of course, that's a very good way to get into it, to just make something for an existing system. And so that's how I sort of got got into it. And then as we did the revised edition of Perdition's Mouth Abyssal Rift, I was more involved. So it went on. I uh, then was lead developer on Mazehow, which we did earlier this year. And uh, I've also been working a lot on Soulspire, which was the next big expansion coming for Perdition's mouth Rift. Yeah, in that time, I then also started working on the card game.
0: When I saw that Beyond the Rift was a thing and, you know, Timo and Dragon Dawn reached out to me and said, hey, we're looking for people to review this game. Do you want to try out Beyond the Rift? Uh, I have now it's the first edition. I have Perdition's Mouth, Abyss Rift, the the first edition of the game. And I was like, oh, that game's fantastic. I've got to try Beyond the Rift. So I was really, really ecstatic whenever he said, yeah, we've got a card game coming out. Now you're leading Beyond the Rift. Are you in charge? Are you running this solo? Tell us a little bit about the team behind Beyond the Rift.
2: Well, so so I am the designer, and of course, I, I, you know, I, I lead a lot on the team for, for support in, in many things. But uh, it, it is my design, and it was also my idea, and I pitched it to Timo Motamaki when we were at a, um, a convention in Rostock. After the first day, over a glass of wine, we sat down, and then I, I pitched it to him and showed a little bit what I had in mind for it. Very rough at that point. This must have been now oh, two years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, then it was just like handmade everything. You know, I just scribbled stuff on, on pieces of paper and uh, I sort of like sleeved them together with some magic cards together and just had something to show a little bit what the concepts were. Then from there on, he she just gave the green light. I said, this sounds great. And I worked in it for a pretty long time. And then, uh, yeah, like sort of a good year ago, we decided that around this time is when we want to kickstart. And uh, yeah, now we are launching on the 19th of July.
0: Oh, we're live right now. Yeah, that's that's true. That's true, of course. Now, Nick, did you know from the get-go that you were going to use the, we'll call it, intellectual property of Perdition's Mouth? Or did you have mechanics put together and you needed a a theme to apply to it? Why Perdition's Mouth? You said that you had worked on Perdition's Mouth already, so it was probably a natural fit. Did you have it in mind as you were developing this game?
2: Uh, yeah. From, like, from the beginning, it was made as a Perdition's Mouth card game. So I had um, a few parts of the board game that I liked a lot. And I also like mm-hmm. card games a lot. I like competitive card games. I play a lot of Magic the Gathering, but I also like uh, a lot of the cooperative ones, the LCGs from Fantasy Flight and uh, the sort of adventure card games that are out there. And mm-hmm. I felt that it would be a good fit. And I never heard anyone in the company actually talk about it. I have learned, and in hindsight, that they they had actually discussed it internally. But uh, oh, as far really? as I know, yeah. But as far as I know, nothing was ever done with it. But it was more like, you know, it would be a, a good from a product standpoint. But I don't think anyone else in the company had actually sort of started working on it and had some, uh, you know, some working prototype of it. So I think that's you had already
0: had it under your wing. You're like, hey, nobody has to. I already got it. I'm working <laughs> on it right now. So it's, it's an obvious fit.
2: I mean, it, it worked out a bit like that. Actually, it was, uh, well, yeah, very very convenient how it all came together. You know? So, uh, yeah. So 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 coming to your question, like what 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 did I bring? So I had a, a few things that I wanted to bring from the board game into mm-hmm. a card game that I haven't really seen. And uh, the one thing is the is the the response deck, which is sort of the the modifier. Of course, there's something similar in Gloomhaven when everyone has sort of their own deck and so. So it's, it's not like of an unheard concept, but I really like that it has this deck that is like a modifier instead of a die roll that goes from minus one to plus five and that everyone uses it. So. It's a, it's a thing that modifies the attack and defense strength of the enemies, but it's also something that sometimes you replace integers on cards with, right? So instead of just printing like a three, this is an attack of three, you can just say, well, this is an attack of a response card. So you have a, a little bit of that, that the randomness dice rolling feel, but with a little bit more control because... You know, a deck actually, a cards actually have sort of a certain amount of certain numbers, and you know there's a certain spread to how often things can come out and so on. So it has a little bit of that excitement in the randomness, but without being too swingy as as dice can sometimes be, in my opinion. Uh, so that was the one thing, and the the other thing was the the sort of damage system. So Perdition's mouth has a um, a very particular damage system that you actually have sort of a health bar. Uh, so in, the, in a classic dungeon-crawling way, it's just when you take damage, you become weaker. And it has something called wound cards. So when you take damage, uh, you actually lower your hit points, which will modify your stats, like your attack value and defense and so on. But mm-hmm. you also put a wound card into hand. And this was something that I felt like this wound card system is just sort of ripe to, to become sort of like the, the core way that you take damage in a card game. Because what I had seen a lot is sort of like, your deck is your health in a sense that, okay, you lose cards and at some point you don't have any cards and then you're dead. Uh, that has been done. And of course, you've also had the sort of the, the more traditional uh, LCG system where, you know, health is something that goes down. And if, if you're a seer, you die. But until then, you're probably sort of
0: fine. You're just as strong in Magic the Gathering when you have two life left. Than, I'm, just as strong then as you would at any other life point total
2: yeah i mean in, in Magic: The gathering you even talk about it like that, that your life is a resource right there are even mm-hmm. cards that sort of forces
0: you to pay life <laughs> the only life point that, that matters is the yeah, last one
2: exactly and it's like that that's like a huge benefit because then you pay with life instead of mana right so so this is so, so of course you have this coming from magic the gathering of course like the grandfather of the, of the card games in a sense I wanted something because what I liked about Perdition's Mouse* that is, this has this grit to it and and this realism and this brutality, right? And and I thought that's that's just ripe for a card game, right? So in, so then in *Beyond the Rift*, I said, okay, the only way you die is that your hand is only wound cards uh, and fatigue cards, but that you're actually sort of exhausted yourself in that sense. But as long as you sort of avoid that, you're still alive. So there's actually there are no hit points in this game, like. Your deck is literally your life, but you don't lose cards. You add wound cards into your deck. And once you've drawn a hand of only wound and fatigue cards, then you die
0: you can't get rid of those cards unless you're healing yourself. So if, if you have say five wounds in hand, you're essentially just getting two new resources, two new cards to work with in a turn. So you feel like, oh man, I am hobbling. My leg's broken and I'm, you know, my, my one arm's dangling. And I'm going to try and swing this thing to, to hit the bad. Like you actually can start to feel a little bit, like there's some immersion there it's kind of neat to feel bogged down and literally not just metaphorically literally have your hand be bogged down by all of these wounds i thought that was creative
2: i i, I think so too i i mean it's not going to be for everyone right like some like this sort of high fantasy you know power fantasy type of, of games and and this is something that is a little bit more um i don't know brutal violent visceral. it's a little darker yeah Um, Really,
0: that's yes, yes.
2: Yeah, (laughs) that's what I wanted to bring from Perdition's Mouth, uh, Abyssal Rift, into this card game, and I I don't know of any carding that's done it, and so I figured that's like a a match made in heaven to sort of have some of those core components taken out of the board game and translate them into Mm -hmm. the card game.
0: Now, you had mentioned Magic the Gathering. You mentioned Gloomhaven, what with the modifier deck. Although beyond the Rift, as I recall from playing Perdition's Mouth, the response deck was in there too. So there's some existing things that you would worked with in this realm to build the game. But what about uh, one correlation that you can't help but draw is to some of the Fantasy Flight LCGs. And you had mentioned Mm -hmm. that you'd played those before. These scenarios where you have your quest area, you have the threat Mm -hmm. area, there are enough variables thrown in that each of the scenarios that you play can feel distinctly different compared with the last one. Mm -hmm. Did that come from sort of this LCG background? Tell us, how much did playing LCGs influence the game?
2: Quite a bit. So I think the card play and the card game aspect, that, that definitely influenced it a lot. As far as the LCGs goes, I've played most of the Marvel Champions LCG, and I think mm-hmm. that one is probably the one that does this the least with the scenarios. Uh, maybe you've played the other ones more. I've played Arkham Horror. I think that one is, is has much more of this, right? You have these locations, you move around. Yeah. There's a lot of like chain effect, like you do this, and then in the next scenario, like this, this one bad guy that you didn't kill now comes back and stuff like that, right? But I haven't played that enough to to really say that that was like a big inspiration. So I would say that mm-hmm. the LCGs is more in the sense of Marvel Champions, and more in the sense that okay, here is just like you know this brilliant design that just shows you how much you can do with cards, and so that has definitely helped a lot. As far as the design of the scenarios go, it was very important to me from the get go that there is a lot of variety in what you do, and that comes sort of more out of a um, what should I say, like a a contrarian attitude where I felt like a lot of more dungeon crawler games have a lot of scenarios that are very similar. Um, Yep. I I don't want to mention any games in particular, but some have been mentioned, but you know, they have a lot of scenarios where it's like, well, here's another dungeon. It looks a little bit different. There are different enemies. What am I going to do? Yeah, you run in and kill everything, and then you go
0: out. Uh, (laughs) Same thing, or go in (laughs) and get the one item and get out. Yeah. And that's
2: sort of like the... um, uh, I, I know, in like this uh, Dungeons and Dragons uh, discussions, you somehow sometimes talk about the, the the murder hobos, right? Like this is like the classic way to <laughs> <you> play D anD D.
0: Whereas, like every Just character, get in and kill everything. Yeah,
2: like they, they don't live anywhere. They only they live only to plunder and kill. And yeah, so they're like murder hobos, right? And and this is something I I, I really didn't want in this game. You know, I I wanted to have scenarios where somehow you felt like you're doing different things and you know the, the motivations is, is you know there's actually a, a background story to it like why are are the characters here and why are they doing this so this is sort of like one of the ethos on the behind the game how it was, was designed from the get go.
0: Now we mentioned those LCGs and I know that for example Marvel Champions they come out with uh, every month or so you get a new hero pack uh, sometimes they'll release new scenarios or larger boxes they do that with Arkham as well this is going to fund. I have no doubt. Perdition's Mouth is a huge game. This taps into that sensation. It has enough similarities to other LCG games that I think that you're going to draw in a ton of that crowd. So let's look a little bit down the line. Let's look past the Kickstarter Mm -hmm. before we talk about it. Let's suppose that I'm a backer and I I Mm -hmm. get my set. I've got some Beyond the Rift and I'm enjoying it. Are there going to be down the line character packs are there going to be expansion boxes how are you going to build on this i know perdition's mouth has a ton of expansions so i have no Mm -hmm. doubt that you guys have already put a little thought into where do we see this going
2: yeah that's a it's a very good question so I cannot say for sure, because obviously it will depend a lot on how successful it is. Because the thing with like, you know, now I talk a little, maybe a little bit shop here. uh, I don't think it's going to be over anyone's head or anything. But like the reason that, you know, something like Mortal Champions, they they can do these hero packs is because the print runs are so huge, right? So you can make like a tiny deck, uh, you know, I don't know how many they print, but let's say they they easily print a couple of 10,000 copies, right? And at that scale you can really sell expansions of any size it's i mean it's just a question of what is a good product and obviously these hero packs are amazing like uh, i mean it's uh it's it's just a perfect you know a perfectly rolled out lcg in my opinion
0: and they can price them right too with the quantity that they're printing no doubt yeah. they're getting them cheaper than if they did half as much or a third as much
2: yeah i mean i, I think i don't know is it like 15 dollars a hero pack like I think that feels like a good price to the consumers. And I honestly think they make money hand over fist. So, you know, everyone wins. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so whether that's going to be the case here, it's hard to say. I, I presume we're going to make expansions. In what form will depend a lot on how it is uh, how it is received, of course. I do imagine we're going to have a more traditional board game. Rollout Because I think the LCGs, they live a little bit in this sort of like sphere between the, uh, the TCG and CCG sphere, where it's like, you know, you have this perfect modularity and it's almost like a little bit collectible. Of course, LCGs are not collectible in that sense, but th- these are like the, the type of games where there's like this sort of like evolving meta and you want the card pool to be expanded upon it incrementally over a very long time. And they also live, you know, halfway there and halfway, obviously, in the board game sphere because you know they're not collectibles and you don't have random packs and so on, right? I think mm-hmm. this will be more solidly in the board game sphere that there will be expansions, and if they are more packs, they will come with a campaign for that hero. Of that, I'm convinced because the the way the core game is structured now. Is that every hero that's in the box we start off with four there may or may not be more uh depending
0: on how successful the campaign is of course Um, you can i can see it now you know (laughs) if we reach this level we'll get to unlock this hero we'll get to talking about that too absolutely
2: yeah and uh and every hero will have their own campaign because part of this is obviously like it's um it's a spin-off game in, in that it's a it's a card game based on this dungeon crawler right but it's also story-wise, it is what connects Tradition's Mouth Abyssal Rift and the future expansion, which is in the works right now, Soul Spire. And so in between that, a lot of time went, and that's the sort of the, the part of the timeline where we tell the story of what the heroes did in between, but also a little bit about what, what sort of their origin story is.
0: Well, Nick, I'm getting excited here. I've played the game a few times. I'm backing it on Kickstarter the moment it comes up. By the time listeners hear this episode, I've been a backer for three days because I'm getting juiced up for it. Tell us, when we head over to Kickstarter, what are we going to see when we look up Beyond the Rift?
2: Well... There will be a campaign page with some pictures. You know, there's going to be the elevator pitch, like why would you want to back this? What is it about and everything? And uh, then, of course, you will see that uh, the base pledge is $35 plus shipping. As many might have heard, shipping is currently a little bit complicated and this will likely ship next year. So we're not fixing a shipping price now, but we're hoping that they go down until then.
0: Oh my! Yeah, shipping currents. is a disaster right yeah, now. Nightmare, nightmare! It's absurd. Some of the numbers <laughs> that I'm seeing, some of the issues with containers, and yeah, I mean, for God's sake, a ship got stuck in a canal. <laughs> <laughs> what else can go wrong?
2: Yeah, I, don't, I, I think I, was it was. I think it was Patrick Leader. I saw him on on Twitter from Leader Games. You know,
0: that's do, Root and Vast and all that. He stuff. He provided a lot of insight as to yeah, what's yeah. what's going it's on and of some violence. of the hurdles yeah, that people yeah. are facing with it
2: and it was funny cuz he he actually tweeted at some point in response to someone it's like yeah i literally sell everything i can i can get to ship people still want to play games i mean more than ever i would say but uh, yeah it's mm-hmm. uh,
0: there are other other issues but yeah so uh, now did i hear you say base pledge 35 bucks yes that is correct <laughs> there's a lot of game in that box <laughs> for 35 bucks nick tell us a little bit about what we've got in there we're sticking with the four characters to start right yep
2: more through stretch goals hopefully providing everything goes well we'll have to see about that and um yeah then there are some some other goodies some uh, some you know extra cards uh maybe some extra scenarios we have some uh somewhat well-known names that might also collaborate with us uh depending a little bit that i'm not allowed to to actually uh to say oh, anything i was about gonna it say you gotta it.
0: tell me now no no i, I can't <laughs> I, I can't
2: i can't it's uh, some of it's a uh, sort of like it's not completely official yet, so but we have a lot of things in mind. And, of course, we're always very, very happy if people just go into the comments and say, like, what type of stuff would you like to see, right? I mean, that's what Kickstarter is well, You know, is for. just
0: from doing the preview of the game, I'm seeing that you guys are, are still updating. I think just on June 6th, uh, I saw one of the characters had... You guys shared the Google doc with me mm-hmm. and I'm looking at, here's when this update happened. Here's when this, yeah. and the one character that was in yellow, cause just got modified on June 6th. So there's still some developing. You can tell the yes. game is basically ready. Absolutely. It's a, it's a very, um, flat structure. I don't know. Flat hierarchy,
2: maybe is a better word. Very welcoming of feedback and, um. Yeah, obviously no, never any promises that everything people suggest will happen because that's not how it works, right? But the game is being is designed, but it is being developed, right? So we we do see a lot of tweaks here and there. Yeah, there's, uh, there's also a lot of a lot of design space in how the game is is made that just allows for a lot of things. So uh, we'll have to see how the how the campaign rolls out and what people are hungry for.
0: No, I take it the stretch goals predominantly are going to be additional characters, additional scenarios, potentially more item cards, uh, anything we're missing there as far as what you guys have in mind for stretch goals.
2: So that, that, is, that is pretty much it. Uh, as I said, we also have a few collaborations where there might be something that is a little bit more focused on the sort of writing and the storytelling and so on. But uh, that is still to be disclosed. But that would be sort of what we're looking at, because the game is uh, completely card based. So, of course, also things like uh, card stock upgrades um, and such things also comes along with that. Just component upgrades, higher quality stuff. Yeah.
0: So we have the base game at thirty five. Are there, there going to be multiple tiers, or are we strictly going with the base game? Or I don't know. We'll say a retailer pledge, something like that. Are there any other tiers beyond base?
2: Uh, Yeah, but that's just to get our other games. So we're not selling any expansions in this Kickstarter. So everything we unlock, we would like to put in the base box. We want it to be as, as full as possible. Nice. Now, obviously, that's not going to mean that we're going to unlock every single hero that was in Perdition's Mouth and have it in the core game. Uh, that, that's that's not going to happen because the box <laughs> will explode. <laughs> so, of course, the hope is still that all of those heroes would be in the card game as well at some point, but that will have to happen through expansions. But there is a hope that there will be more than the four that have been designed so far. And uh, I have quite a few of the others heroes designed in certain stages. So I've been working on this for a long time and I've actually had heroes that have ended up discarding not because they weren't good but because they were way too complex for what I considered like a good core game experience.
0: That's a good point.
2: yeah so certain mechanics and and just certain interactions and, and certain synergies that I just felt were a bit too much for for what we wanted sort of the, the, the core experience to be those could also make an appearance then
0: well, Nicholas, I'm excited. I had so much fun playing the game. I can tell listeners the quality of the prototype. I couldn't believe you sent me a prototype. That box was <laughs> thicker than half the boxes I've ever played with. The, the cards look nice. Obviously, there's some art that needed to go in. It, it's yeah. still a prototype, but like, whoo, if that's any indication of what we can expect in the Kickstarter. Well, I already said I. By the time anybody's listening to this, I've been backer for three days already. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's pretty swanky. I won't argue with that.
0: Well, Nick, we've taken a good bit of your time today, but before I let you go here on Level Up, we always like to give a designer the opportunity to level up. So what we're going to do, Scott, come back in the room. Certainly. So I've got Nick with us. We've got to give him eight questions to see if he can manage to level up. Nick, with these eight questions, I don't want you to give it too much thought. Just give me the first answer that comes to mind. Are you All ready? Right. Hit me. Scott, you got the stopwatch? Yep. Go. Go. In a board game, what color do you play as? Black. Can you ride a bike without holding onto the handlebars? Nope. With a running start, could you jump over a shopping cart? Never. <laughs> Beer or whiskey? Beer. Led Zeppelin or the Beatles? Uh, Pulse. Famed designer of Wingspan, Elizabeth Hargrave challenges you to a dance-off. Who would win? <laughs>
2: uh, probably her.
0: <laughs> do you play video games? Yes. Can you play an instrument?
2: Yes, I am a professional guitarist.
1: And stop.
0: Hey, well done. Excellent. You know what, Scott? I think that's going to qualify as a level up. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Why did you pass on Led Zeppelin or the Beatles? Do you not like either or is it a tie? Uh, I I think I I don't listen to either.
2: I I think I actually like them equally well, but I I don't know. I... professional
0: actually, guitarist so who do you, yeah, who do you listen think, to
2: th- thinking i'm i'm, a, I'm classically schooled, so I, I like more classical music but um actually thinking about i probably should have said beatles their music is fascinating but um <laughs> Led zeppelin honestly i can only think of stereo to him that's led zeppelin right oh yeah,
0: oh, uh, yeah that's that's led zeppelin yeah.
2: <laughs> you say that, so. oh nick i i don't, oh, I, I no, don't i've got to say terrible hold, things sorry.
0: about beyond the rift <laughs> well you just got I, yourself a one rating on bgg i, I, I deserve it i deserve it
2: <laughs> people <laughs> have gotten one ratings for, for for lesser things than that so uh, for
0: absolutely ridiculous things <laughs> hey thank you so much for your time today nick it means the world f- uh, for having you on the show for letting us preview the game oh, uh, we do you. appreciate that I, and I best mean, of luck on the kickstarter thank you it's been a pleasure thank you very much Thank you so much for joining this adventure of the Level Up Board Game Podcast. We encourage all adventurers to check out our website at levelupgamepodcast.com. There you can submit your thoughts and audio to be used in a future episode. Please consider rating us on iTunes, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and join the Board Game Geek Guild, Guild 3722. Music for the podcast provided by Adam Haynes. Learn more at Adamhainesmusic.com. And remember... You can spend another night on the sofa, where you can get some friends together, get some adventures on the table, and level up!